and welcome to In Star Trek We Trust. Today, we are discussing episode three of season two, Strange New Worlds, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. My name is Ethan, and I'm one of your hosts. And I am Kevin and Kevin and Kevin, your other host. We're discussing tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow today. Yes, a Shakespeare quote that I did tomorrow not, is not yesterday. see the connection. Other than there's time travel, which right. is fine. I think whenever they use those Shakespeare quotes, they just sort of like use them in a very cute way, but I don't think there's anything to be interpreted to say that, oh, it's Sometimes sort of related to that story. It's just like, oh, yeah, it's that name of that, that Shakespeare quote kind of fits our plot, so let's go with that. Yeah, that's definitely the case here. Totally. Because they don't, because they, I didn't see three tomorrows, I saw one tomorrow. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Although, the only person that it would that quote would apply to would be the Romulan um, secret agent. Because they were stuck mm -hmm. there for 30 years. So the whole point of the tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow quote is that it's like the, the, the days repeating and dragging on and the same thing over and over. There's nothing to life. So I guess the fact that she's been there for 30 years, that could apply. So from her point of view... Yeah, yes, she might be from tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Got it. So, all right. Well, big picture. What's that? Big picture. Big picture. So, I think that this is episode thirteen of the series, and I think it's possible we may have our first, the first episode that we didn't love. I didn't love it. Yeah. I, I, didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I felt like it was unnecessarily confusing. And I think it kind of fucks with the Trek timeline in a very, well, unnecessary way. Mm. Although I would say that it, it messes with the timeline, but then it puts everything back. Yeah. I mean, it, ha it has some interesting ideas, but I think it does have some, and it added something new to the to the it did. war. I mean, it wasn't the fact that you need the eugenics wars to get humanity to develop to advance to the point of being in the right. Federation. World War Three, notwithstanding, I guess. Well, as you said, probably the eugenics wars lead to World War Three. Yeah, this this show seems to be tying those three different events and just sort of like bucketing them all into one major event that took place over the course of, you know, 50 or so years. But uh, and they Which did that is in the first episode. Totally appropriate. Because you you could you could trace the unification of mm. Germany, those wars with like the Crimean War and right. World War 1 right. and World War 2 all kind of together over a 60-year, no, maybe longer, a 70-year period. In the first episode of the show, when Pike beams down and he's talking to those two warring species, who are about this, that species who's about to go to war with each other, and they remember he gives that like rousing speech in the beginning of the episode, and he's sort of giving a quick overview of the 21st century Earth and its history. You know, he says, you know, he mentions the Second Civil War, then he says, finally, the eugenics, war, the eugenics wars, and then finally, just World War Three. Three separate events, but I think they all 
you know, sort of World War Three is kind of the event that it all sort of culminates into. But it's like those were sort of the lead up to it. Mm-hmm. And they just decide, well, really, when you look at it big picture, it's all it's all leading up to that event. Right. And I we think- typically talk about World War One and World War Two as two distinct wars when. Right. Really, they're. It depends one, on how high kind of, level you want to look at it. It's kind of a continuation of the other in a lot of ways. And the, and, original, and, and the original series, I think, was also somewhat inconsistent with regarding the eugenics wars and then also World War Three. I mean, at one point they mentioned that the eugenics wars was the last of the so-called World, world Wars, and then they, World War Three comes up for the first time later on in the episode Bread and Circuses. So in, in some strange way, as confusing as this episode may have been, I think what it was actually trying to do, although I don't know that it was entirely successful, but I'll at least give them credit for this. I kind of feel like they were almost trying to set, like, set the record straight and all that, sort of almost clean it all up and sort of explain and sort of clarify all of that and bring it all together. I don't, I would, I don't know that they were entirely successful, but I feel like they were trying to make some attempt to link all of that together to be one huge larger conflict so interesting yeah i didn't get that but when i looked at this episode i i I gotta say i think in the great tradition of trek it's a really it's you know it's one of those old style time travel episodes but my my issue well not my issue my feeling in watching it was that i was like i feel like we just did this because you had a quality of mercy, the finale from last season, which tells a somewhat similar plot. But then also you had season two of Picard, which I feel like this was actually more closely related to, did did sort of almost the exact same story. And while those episodes are only were like a year removed from those episodes, mm. that episode in that season, they're still kind of fresh in my mind. And so, and I think, you know, we'd also come back, no spoilers, of course, from seeing Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny that night. So I just... And you know, also there was a watch was played prominently in this and Dial of Destiny. Yeah. So I just, I felt like my initial feelings was like, I feel like I've just, I feel like we've just seen this story. Like we've just seen us, we've just seen many stories like this all pretty close together. So... I would say one thing that... That's the stand apart is the fact that they add the temporal war people into it. Right. So it fits with that right. uh, storyline that's always kind of been in the background of Star Trek and pops up now and then. Right. I, I knew in watching it that I had watched a very similar episode with Seven of Nine being recruited at the beginning. You did. Going through time and then coming back at the end just like this. Relativity. Yes. Season so, five. It's one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, we've seen it, so maybe at least it's the precedent that this is what they do sometimes. Uh, my my, my the reason I didn't like it, I didn't mind that stuff. I just sort of felt that it was I don't know. I I, I liked the character of Laan, mm-hmm. but I like the character of Laan as part of the crew, I guess. Right. And I don't like the character of Kirk. And not not. <laughs> This Kirk, I guess. Right. And this was another version of this Kirk that we know. Right. But I, it just... It was just kind of boring. I was a little, got a little bored at points. And, and they'd go up a bridge. I didn't see actually at all how the bridge went other than... No. 
Where he said that the bridge wasn't enough. They had to kill Khan, which why didn't they, if that's how it worked, why didn't they kill Khan in the first place? Because she couldn't get into a building, so they can blow up a bridge, but they can't get into one building. Well, it it kind of didn't pass a lot of... It, some of it, the bridge section of it, I felt like wasn't necessary because the the all it all it did was it real. I mean, it moved the plot along in the sense of that it created the cir- circumstances by which we meet the person who sort of eventually becomes the Romulan agent. We find out something about in the debris. There, there's something because it's different shades of it's multiple colors that that's not that doesn't look right. That's that's. That looks like a cold fusion device or something like that. And I think the bridge was also done... The destroying of that bridge was meant as a sort of symbolic move because of what it sort of... Rep- what they say it was supposed to represent. But in the grand scheme of the episode, I felt like that wasn't something that was entirely necessary. The episode ran a full hour, right? right. So I felt like it was definitely... It definitely felt padded. Yeah, there was just a lot of I felt like unnecessary. I think a lot of unnecessary or sort of like too long of like side quests. There was a lot of side quests going on. Like I was eventually getting to the point where I was like, I don't even know what we're looking for here. What, like, what is the what is the dilemma that's going on? Like, I have no sense of any of that. And like, we're just as we we are in the dark just as much as the characters are. But I, I kind of still don't because they yeah. had to find the molecules or isotopes, I don't know, whatever, of the of the bombing material. Right. Because it was from the future. And then I guess in doing that they somehow wound up at the Noonian Singh right. genetic research place. But I don't know yep. I don't know how those two are connected. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, was... a few of the things also I didn't love is um it was a little too quick that they adapted to life in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Um, Part of the fun of them coming back to sort of modern times is seeing them try to figure out how to actually fit in. Yes. And then you had the the rotating door. Right. But it was kind of like after the rotating door and after pulling a car out of being parallel parked, they had yeah. no other issues with the time. But see, that's what I mean when I say I feel like we just did this, right? Because we, we also... It reminded me of the scene in season two of Picard with Seven and Raffi trying to figure out how to drive a car. Right. right. It's that they, they didn't have any trouble figuring out how to drive a car. They had right. trouble starting it. Right. But then he was he was an expert driver. Right. Well, he, he knew how to do it. He knew how to do it in a piece of the action too later on. But yeah. He was doing the flip around, like you're driving one direction and you make the car spin around and drive the other direction. Right. Which I got to assume, if you've only flown things, it would be very hard to. But I think, but I think also like when, because I remember saying that to you the other day when we were talking about. It, I said, you know, I feel like there was too quick of an adaption here. It really, for me, came into that came into focus when they were staying at a hotel. Like, in other words, it cuts to that scene, that really weird scene of them both asleep in the hotel, and I thought, to, and I thought to myself, like, I'm like. I'm watching this, I'm saying to myself, I, what is this scene for? And I'm thinking, like, why are you two even trying to rest? Like, shouldn't you try to be figuring out what's going on here? Well, like, you have to sleep. Well, I, I, you do. You do. But everything felt imminent that I wouldn't have thought that they would have set aside time to do that. They would have just been doing everything. So, 
and I think it was just sort of meant as a moment to kind of set up any sort of potential romance between the two of them, I guess. But yeah. it just felt weirdly out of place. There were yeah, many scenes that felt out of place. The romance felt weirdly out of place, too, for some reason. The romance felt weirdly out of place. That hotel moment felt weirdly out of place. And I think a lot of the scenes... Romulan felt out of place. But I also think a lot of scenes in this episode felt like they went, like, three, four, five minutes too long. Yeah. Another thing I thought was very... is he immediately... I actually didn't mind the chess. The chess I thought was kind of fun. Yeah. But he immediately knew how to... Not only... <laughs> What hot dogs were? How to buy hot dogs from a street vendor? I don't even know how to buy hot dogs from a street vendor. I'm kidding, but you know, I mean, I don't. It seems like there's a lot of steps removed in their knowledge from a guy pushing a cart means that's where you get hot dogs. You know what it is? I think back to the third season episode of Voyager, Future's End, when they come back to then present day, which is 1996. They got around a lot of that sort of adaption by having Tom Paris be the character who knows a lot. He always had like that one person oh, yeah. who knew who a lot like, about, who was like oh, an expert. Oh, I love 20th century history. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, because and the usually they would like, I love jazz. <laughs> and I mean, Cisco kind of did it when they went to the past, when they went to the past in mm. the episode Past Tense, like when they're in the Sanctuary District saying that, you know, 21st century Earth has always, ha has always has been a hobby of mine. Because you need that person, you need that one person who can explain yeah. it to the other crew members? Yes, and and, and to the audience, what do we see? What's going Lahan, on? Lahan knew more than Kirk, but it was never really explained why. Right. Which that's fine, I guess. Yeah, but I think you know you mentioned the the Voyager episode relativity. I mean, it did have a somewhat of a vibe with that, but that that at least was all done with the intention of using seven to sort of go back and make these different corrections to ensure that the timeline yeah and it also connected to the ship right, right. so yes. this was very like she got taken out of the hallway she got put back at the exact moment right having lived through all of that right and then i guess you know it's hard because she had to do all this stuff she had to kill people kirk got killed and then but she can't tell anyone so that's sad for her but she also sees that her name she is the result of Khan is bad, committed genocide. Yeah. But she wouldn't be alive without him, and she has some some epiphany around that, right. I guess. But I think also... Um, it, let me just say this. These shows, I need them to let go of Khan. Like, please, for the love of God, just can we not... Do we do have to keep doing con all the time? Whether it's some yeah. cute reference, some sort of plot device, <laughs> something like... Look, that's... La'an is related to him. I understand. The show has not... But the show has not really used that to make her interesting. She doesn't really understand the relation. We don't really understand the relationship. Right. And they've hinted that they don't even... She doesn't even know if she has any of his augments. Right. Past. Which I began to wonder did she because she was able to get access, get access to the you know to the actual uh area it's but, much stronger than he, any humans around right but again She's borderline vulcan strength we were wondering that last week though because if yeah. she was an augment and had some of that 
before we found out what the verdict was for number one, we were thinking like, well, wouldn't that mean, shouldn't she technically be on trial as well if she has some of that? Unless once the augmented DNA is passed down, then it's no longer augmented. We call, Yes, I jokingly said, oh, it's like a pre-existing condition. Yeah, yeah maybe. Um, so, and I mean... And, and you we, think with their name, they would have looked into that. Right. It's quite a name. They right. would know. Hmm. Yeah. So it didn't move anything for me, and it, and it didn't work as a self-contained story for me that much either. So that's why I think I didn't love it. But mm. it's I'm not concerned. That's it hasn't really come up yet. But we've said the great thing about a, a right. series with standalone episodes is if you don't love one of them, you know you have next week's going to be something different. Correct. Yeah. Which at the very least, I mean, I hope that next week. I mean, next week it looks like it's going to be um, sort of more of a fun uh, adventure, but. Um, I think this one, the whole affair kind of felt a little tired, too. Because, again, I... It didn't feel like it was anything new and exciting for me, because I think that, you know, coming off the episodes and seasons I just mentioned, it just... I didn't feel as invested. I definitely felt bored, just as you did. I didn't care for things like, again, using Khan... Um, the sort of unnecessary complications of adding of like messing with Trek's timeline and sort of essentially now moving the eugenics wars further up instead of them being where they were originally supposed to be in 19 from 1992 through 1996 mm -hmm. as she mentions this was supposed to happen in 1992 i think it's an interesting idea i mentioned to you it sort of feels like judgment day in terminator they keep the date for Judgment Day keeps moving because of their interference. And in a way, like, I feel like that's happening with a lot that uh, they try to do the same thing with sort of the major events of Trek's Right. Past. Or the Spider-Verse, the canon events that can't be undone. Right. But I don't, I'll pose the question. Okay. Would it have been, that much of a stretch on the say the show's budget because we, we were kind of assuming are they going back to present day to kind of like save some money on the budget or something like that yes so then you don't you just shoot on the streets would it have been do you think it would have been a huge stretch of the budget if they actually did go back to 1992 I mean, it would have cost a lot more than going to certainly yes but, but I, I now we're not talking about taking going back to like the 1920s right yeah. I think I think it's just as hard, though. I mean, I think about like, Captain hard, Marvel. Think, that was nineteen ninety-five, right? I mean, right? You're right. Yeah, you got to find a bunch of cars from the nineties and eighties and seventies. You got to right. everybody's clothes are hard. I don't know. Yeah, it would have cost more. I don't know how much more. So, yeah, like I just I and I'm thinking to myself: Is this are they are they strictly moving? Is this strictly just how they justify coming back to the to the present day to, to the mid twenty first century? Just because, so they just use that one line to explain it that there's something going on, like with all the right. the timeline. Like, is that really the only? Is that really revisited. why? What is this going to be revisited? Right. I got to assume it is. I don't. You know, they must have made her a Nunian sing for something, and it wasn't just for this. Well, I mean, there was a yeah. 
But I, I, I mean, agree. So. I could do without Khan. Interestingly, though, Khan seemed to be played by an Indian actor for the first time, which is what his name would imply that he was. Right. And Ricardo kind of... He's not Indian, but he kind of looked Indian in the original Space Seed. He had, his skin was sort of a darker shade in the original episode. Yeah. So, yeah, certainly. But the thing is, she's coming face-to-face with Khan, the person who kind of like, I guess you could say, haunts her family's lineage. Yeah, but he's just a kid here. It was an interesting scene, but I didn't feel like it carried a lot of emotional weight because when I think of La'an, the first thing I think of actually is the Gorn, not Noonien Singh. Oh, right. Because that's what her actual experience was with. Right. So if that scene is to be interpreted as her sort of like, I don't know, confronting some kind of like demon that has haunted her for you, like, I didn't get that fully because the show hasn't really spent a lot of time with that. She keeps getting asked about Khan Noonien Singh. She's never like voluntarily volunteering that information on her own. It's always somebody asking her about it. Oh, no, remember, I mean, they think they did a good job with the scenes before this episode because they showed her getting angry and saying, Mm -hmm. all my life I heard it, muty, um, augment. Right. And all those things. So I guess she has suffered for it. I mean, yes, you're right. I mean, okay, I admittedly did forget about that. Like, she did mention, she has mentioned several times in the past, like, you know, you're an augment, you're this, you're like getting teased. But I think... Once again, though, the show has spent more time getting into her trauma from the Gorn than the sort of reputation that her family name carries. And so I think, and I think because of that, that was not as effective to me. I think if she'd been, if this was a, were a scene where she was like, seeing a, a baby Gorn, maybe there would have been more to it. But so I, I didn't fully, I wasn't fully on board with that. I wasn't fully emotionally invested in that scene. I can see why it was important, but it wasn't really working for me. I'm, I'm sorry to say. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yes, it, it seemed like it should have had more impact and it didn't. Right. So... But, I mean, there were some things about the episode that I did like, um, because, really, it's an episode about La'an. It's, it's about her character. All of, a lot of these other things, like I'm talking like, oh, why are we using Khan again? Why are we messing with the timeline? Why does Kirk have to be there? Why? These are things that you can sort of take or leave. They certainly impacted my viewing, my sort of opinion of the episode. But that's those were not things that the episode was like truly about. I when I watched it the second time, I focused solely on it being a story about Laan. And on that level, I liked it. I liked having I liked spending an episode with her. I liked her relationship with Kirk. I liked their chemistry. I think Christina Chong is a really, you know, she's a good I think she's a, a pretty good actress. Um I want to see more episodes focused on her. So I think I liked what she did in this episode. Qu- very much so. I thought she did a really good job carrying the episode. Mm. I, I think she did as well as she could, given the story that I didn't love. Right. 
Um, yeah. Here's an interesting thought. Have you heard anything? I know you're more in touch with what fans are thinking. So this has yeah. to do with Lahan. So Lahan, it's clearly her episode, right? Yes. But in some ways, I could see critics saying that they've emasculated Kirk in this episode. Because Kirk had to take a back seat to Lahan. Right. Right? And some people would see that as a um agenda mm. being carried. Like he's an idiot in this a lot of ways. He thinks they're in New York City. They're not even close. He tries to do one of his famous bluffs and fails completely. Right. I have not seen anybody mention that, but I really only go to one place for the oh. for reviews, and that's the Trek BBS. And I've been posting there since the Enterprise days. And while we do have a fair share of sort of newer folk, folks, mm-hmm. For the most part, everyone is, you know, it's a mature Trek audience. So, and they don't tend to, on the whole, post or discuss things like that. Okay. So, I, I, I've not run across that. Now, are you asking me if I think that's the case just watching the episode? I, I mean, I can see that, but I, I honestly, like, I wasn't. I was more focused on her. And I, I didn't the the treatment of Kirk. It wasn't my. It wasn't something that ever really entered my mind because, and I think it's because in the back of my mind I knew that this is not. This is another alternate version of Kirk. This is again somewhat younger Kirk, right? So it's not kind of the Captain Kirk of the original sh- series. Right. So we we don't know anything. He doesn't. We don't know anything really about this Kirk, and we right. find out he's from a different Earth. He's, he's never so, even been to Earth. So any sort of like decisions they make for Kirk in terms of how he's written, how he's performed at this point mm. doesn't really phase me because I know we're not we're not really there yet. So Yes, and, and I don't mind the way he was treated. I just like to look at these things and imagine what certain sectors of the fans will say. Right. No, I, I, I've not seen any of that to, to tell you okay. the truth. Yeah. Um, what do you I, think about the fact that this is now our second time that they're playing, as I say, a little too cute with Kirk. Yeah. And and having whole episodes around Kirk, but then saying, no, 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 we were in another timeline, and so this time we're in another... another we're t- twice. Both times it was in a different right. timeline. Well, so let's start off by saying, at the end of this episode, it's we really get our first look at Prime Universe Kirk. Before this, we've spent time with two alternate versions of him. Mm. So... George. And George, right. Um... What did you ask me again? Oh, what do you think of the fact yeah. that they, once again, are playing a little playing too cute, cute? Yeah. Where they get to have whole episodes with Kirk in the center, yet, oh yeah, no, but they the don't real, have. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I'd rather have them do it that way than cram them in some other way. I think I'm okay with it, because it's, you know why? I Okay, this is going to sound very, this may seem like an odd reason for this, but... I'm still not sold yet on Paul Wesley playing Kirk. And I kind of like the fact that we're not, we haven't really yet seen him playing the kind of quote unquote real Kirk. Now, I don't know if that means he's going to play him any differently, but I'm sort of treating both times we've seen him, the alternate Kirk, as almost like his 
I'm going to use this term because we were talking about it before we, before we started recording. It's sort of like his, it's like his two dry runs as the character before he really, you know, gets into it. Oh, yeah. I do think, though, that if he's going to come back, I have no doubt that he's going to come back. I don't, like, I don't want to see another alternate version of him. <laughs> no, that would be too cute. It's like, I, I, I think, okay, enough's enough. Um, I, I question why Kirk is even in this episode at all. Right. Couldn't it have been someone from the crew? No, because yeah. they had to die. Even if they did die, so what? You'd go back and they'd be there. No, I guess they would. I don't know. Yeah. I just... Right. But it could have been Uhura from that timeline. It could have been... It It made anyway. total It made total sense when they used him in Equality of Mercy because we're like, you know, we're, I think we're like, we're almost 10 years ahead. It's during Balance of Terror. We know that Kirk was the captain of the Enterprise yeah. at that time. It's an alternate version of those events. Pike is now captain. So obviously the first question you want to ask is, well, where's where's Kirk? So, and we do see him, you know, obviously commanding of the vessel, but we, you know, you can't help but want to, but ask that question when we see that. Here, it, it makes me wonder, like, you know, look, I know, you know, certain start, episodes of Star Trek, even though the science fiction, they'll alter the past events. And so there's an alternate version of, you know, the current events. But I think mm -hmm. to myself, what, why does that not, why does that change things and make Kirk the captain and not Pike, yet oh, right. everybody else, I mean, Spock, with the exception of Spock as well, but like Uhura and Ortegas mm -hmm. were still on the ship. Like, I just, I, I yeah. question those things and why we right. couldn't Right, it would have worked better if it was a whole different crew. Right. But also the fact that they even have the Enterprise and it looks the same. Right. That, even that alone is strange. Yeah. But I guess you have to suspend disbelief on some of that. I, I think it was a cute way to have him be the captain of the Enterprise. Right. And they, they wrote it well enough that it makes sense if she's on the ship, she's going to go to the bridge. Right. Where she was headed anyway, and then he's there. And once, you, once she encounters him, she has no choice but to follow that through. Right. And I did also kind of like how it was him who tried to grab it away from her and press the button, mm. which is why they both like. I thought it worked. I didn't love it, but it all worked. There were things, like I said, there were things about it. I liked. I mean, I liked how, yeah, the point that you just made. I like how them grabbing that device. That's what throws them back. It's not her sort of kidnapping him. It's sort of this is sort of thrown back there by mistake. I liked the way the bridge thing was revealed. You know, the the temporal officer comes to the portal. He says, "Get to the bridge," and she goes to the bridge when he actually means no, 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 like an actual bridge. So I liked the way that was done. Well, that was kind of clever. Mm -hmm. But no, again, I, I I question why it even needed to be why we needed Kirk. I didn't feel like I didn't feel like this was a good use of the character. This didn't feel like this was not something specific to James T. Kirk, right? You right. could argue like, oh, maybe that could have been anybody, but. And so again, and I and I, I posed this when he kissed Kirk, which I don't know if that was super needed, but but here's the thing, I pose I pose this hypothetical sort of argument a lot in various situations where you say, well, yeah, it may not have to be Kirk; it can just be anybody. But the same, you can use that same argument and say, well, if it can be anybody, then let's make it be Kirk. Fine, okay, but I don't think that's a good use of the character. Like, I'm I'm sort of of the belief, like you and I were talking about this a while back, like on lower decks before they went to DS9, you know, we wanted to jump so they go to DS9. I don't, I wouldn't want them to go to DS9 
just because they have to go to a space station. I I would I want them to go there for a specific reason to you to make full use of why they would have to go there instead of going to like say Starbase 15. Right? Why specifically are you going to go to Deep Space 9 and how are you going to utilize that the unique circumstances of that station, that setting, those characters, all those things and how is that going to work into your plot? Here I don't think Kirk is this to me didn't feel like it had to be James T. Kirk. It was just like, oh, let's use Kirk. That'll be fun. Yes, unless there's something else brewing here. Unless there's something else brewing, which I I wonder about. So you can't tell that. Yeah, I I didn't find it to be a good use of the character. I mean, I would have I would have liked it to be, I would have liked it to be an alternate version of one of our main cast. Yeah, like a Pike that was a jerk or something. Right. That would have been that would have been way more interesting, like the total opposite of the Pike we know. Or he's just mean and nasty. Or I'll pose. Or I'll pose this: We have yet to have an episode feature Ortegas heavily. Now, obviously, this is a episode about Laan, right. but I think it would have been interesting if you had brought Ortegas along. I wonder if that would have been a little too close to Seven and Rafi. So what though? <laughs> Why? Because yeah. it's two females. Yeah, for some reason, yeah. Yeah, I Yeah, I don't so that's a I would say that's a that's a criticism of mine. I don't think that it ne- that technically needed to be No, and, Kirk. I, and I think we're in agreement and we don't love this actor as Kirk yet. So yeah, not yet. Therefore you know, that also was just oh this guy that we don't really love. Like I just don't think that so far I haven't seen you, you don't want to do an impersonation of Shatner. But I think no. um, I think Chris Pine did very well in having at least a little bit of his cadence, speaking cadence, right. and what. Where I don't see any of that with. Um, I said song. to you when we were talking about the episode initially. So for the listeners, we always for the listeners, right? Every time an episode is, we will talk. Him and I will talk on the phone, kind of, you know, talk uh, about an, our initial impressions. Then we'll go off and watch it again, and then we come back and do this. So when we were talking in our initial conversation of talking about it, I had said to you that, you know, I think Paul Wesley is not as strong as the character as I feel that Chris Pine is. Now, I think James T. Kirk is a very specific character, and I would argue that it's not it's not an easy character to embody. William Shatner is so strongly identified with that character. So, I don't know that it's... I, I question if Paul Wesley will ever, will ever do it, but who knows. But what I did say to you was, I said, I kind of echoed what you just said a second ago, where it's that Chris Pine didn't imitate William Shatner. What he had done, he kind of gave it his own spin, but there were just hints of the original performance. I said to you that several times in the original series, what Shatner would do is when he would say, like, Mr. Spock or Mr. Scott, he would sometimes... Um, kind of slur that he would say like Mr. Spock, or, like he would say it really quickly, and I think it was because there was like many S's, right? Mr. Spock, Mr. Scott, Mr. Sulu. So I think he's sort of like running the names together like that. I don't think that's a conscious choice on Shatner's part. I think it's just something he's sort of doing, on you know naturally and doesn't realize it. Chris Pine did that, did did that sort of thing, did other little things like that, and so it's enough to remind you 
of the previous performance, but he's also not, but he's not imitating Shatner's performance. He's just reminding right. you. He did a little of the pauses. He did a little bit of the pauses. A little bit of the pauses, right? You yes. gotta have the pauses, but you don't want to go too far with it. And is that? So, we'll see. And that's what you would. I mean, and I guess that's what you would call, sort of an an embodiment of the character, right? Yeah, Instead of like evoking the performance. He's exactly. He's remind. Yes, totally. But here's what I'll say about this. I'm not sold yet. But in all fairness, all we have seen, we've seen him play the character twice in alternate timelines, but also he's playing the character several years prior to the original series. So I don't expect him to be sort of playing the character exactly as Shatner was by the time we get to the original series. In fact, mm -hmm. Paul Wesley was on the ready room with Will Wheaton after the fact, and they were talking about this. Oh, I didn't see that. And one of the things he said, I'm, I'm, I may get this wrong, but he was sort of, Paul Wesley was kind of describing it as like a scale. He's like, because I'm playing the character earlier, he goes, you know, he's like, if you think of Shatner playing the character at a 10, if I play it at a 10 now, there's nowhere else to go beyond that. So he's like, I'm sort of like doing it almost like, like a three or a four. Meaning like there's room, there's still room for the character to continue well, to grow and least, develop and become what we see. At least there's, so I'm glad to know that there's thought behind it. Yes. You know. Yes. So that's good. That's good. Right, exactly. So, I think what will sell me on him playing the character, though, is if we see him fighting at some point. He does a two-fisted overhead. Two-fisted. What was it called? The uh, the wall was it called the wall of destruction? Is that what it's called? Yeah, the wall, the wall, jump up, yeah, jump up, kick off the wall, and land on someone. I wanted yeah. to do the one from tomorrow's yesterday where he jumps up on the uh, doorway and the guy. Oh, he swings. He swings. Yeah. 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 Um, One thing you know it's cool when when Laan, speaking of the throat callbacks to Kirk fighting, when Laan was fighting the Romulan in the hallway outside of um, Khan's room, right. uh, they sort of had these horn blast music, like bam, bam, and it was very mm. original series fight music sounding to me. I want to ask you something about her being the Romulan agent. Okay. How did you how did you react when that was revealed? Were you like, oh? Or was it kind of like a, oh, that makes sense? No, it was like a, huh, okay. So I think that's the best way to say it. What? Like, wow, she's really done pretty good at blending in as a, the as a just a, la a photographer lady. Why was she taking pictures of the blast? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So when something like that is revealed. When when you do when you do a film or a TV show where some character is sort of like later on revealed to be something that you didn't know that they were, right? Uh -huh. The sign of a good script, good writing, is that once that's revealed, you can kind of go back and watch it now with that information and maybe see hints like, oh, now I see, like now I can see how it all adds up. You can sort of like see the breadcrumb trail. Yeah, I didn't see that here, and it's almost like yeah. I and I kind of feel like they had that, the idea to do that when they got to that scene, and they didn't right. go back and sort of like properly set it up. Other than now, here's the thing: I think though I might be making this up, but I think her showing the picture of the Romulan ship was a test to see if these people were from the future. Because if they recognized the Romulan ship, then yeah. you know, yeah. and they did. But right. that wasn't super clear that that's what was happening. But that was the only sort of indication. But, and the other thing is, once 
um, she revealed that she was Romulan. It would have been cool if she then started acting Romulan. Mm-hmm. But she didn't. She always seemed she like the same character. She didn't feel... Because, as we all know, every time Trek goes back to present day, there's always that one person from the present day who they form the relationship with. And she was clearly meant to be that person. Obviously, that's not how it turned out to be. Mm. And the Romulan stuff, like taking the photos, like in retrospect, I can sort of see, sure. But at the same time, I felt like it could have even gone the other way, where she still could have just been somebody from that century and captured it and they knew what it was and they but they they just sort of confirmed her story that yes it is it is aliens but yeah yeah i just going back and watching it now with that information in my head you i mean you certainly make a good point with that other, maybe other than that i don't see anything that sort of eventually leads to that it wasn't like it didn't feel like a big i felt like it was supposed to be a big revelation Mm -hmm. but it wasn't I didn't feel no. that with this one I was just kind of like oh why though what? <laughs> why is it yeah, the Romulans yeah. yeah yeah even the plan which we talked about a little bit but the idea that they're slowing down Earth's that's an interesting idea progress. it is but yeah. also they're, they're, they're not very good at it no because she says these major events keep reinserting themselves which explains oh, why yeah, the eugenics wars get moved but at the same time, I think to myself, so, but if you know this, why do you keep trying? Right. Well, I think, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so, but we see that eventually, like, you know, sure, Starfleet doesn't exist. But humanity does eventually make it to space. And so my, my feeling United is United like, Earth Fleet. Which is which was a weird thing to say because they don't even live on like they when they mentioned how bad Earth was in their time, I'm like, well, why are you still calling it United Earth if you've if you're not even really living on Earth? Yeah, maybe the United hum, Human Fleet would have made more sense. Right. There. Unless it started on Earth and then Earth. The Terran there. Empire? No. <laughs> the Terran Republic. The Terran Fleet or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I so. My mind is sort of a jumble with a lot of this, I feel like. And I think it's because it wasn't... I didn't love it, and so I don't really know how to fully react yeah. in a way that makes yeah. sense. Although I can point out so a couple of little things I liked we haven't touched yeah. on. Sure. So I I liked the episode until the main story came in. So I really liked a day in the life of Lon as a security officer. Totally. Totally. Where we got to see her dealing with noise complaints and then stolen artifact provenance. Yep. Um, and then her having her sparring time with um, Benga. Yeah. And saying that I don't need to be medicated, which was interesting. I wonder what that meant. Like, are they using antidepressants or things like that in the future? Well, she didn't... It didn't seem to be something to do with her mental state that she would need to be medicated for. I remember in the very first episode when they were like going undercover, she was also refusing medication for the pain to undergo that transformation. So this, she's got something about medication mm. that she doesn't like. Yeah. So yeah, I liked that. I liked the, that Kirk was born on the USS Iowa. That was funny and yep. fun. Yep. And um, I guess that's it. So I think you mentioned Kirk being born on the USS Iowa. That's a sort of interesting parallel between Kirk being born in the Kelvin timeline aboard the USS Kelvin. 
mm, and being born in Iowa proper. Correct. Yeah. Um, actually, sorry, I'm, I do want to go down a list of country stuff, but there's one thing I wanted to mention that we haven't mentioned yet. So, and this goes back to my feeling that it does feel a lot like season two of Picard because Pelia, like Guinan, was mm. on Earth at the time, and she's became the link yes. for Laan to go back and build. Although some he sort was. Much less helpful than... Much less Darren. helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I guess well, one other thing to point out is that if they've got a... You pointed out how getting the hotel room was interesting. Also, I mean, what fortuitous uh, choice of a hotel room with a view overlooking the bridge that's going to be... Oh, absolutely. Out. Yeah, totally. Um, you're right. I didn't even think of that. They just happen to have a hotel that faces the bridge that's going to be Probably destroyed. Probably a very expensive hotel, too, I would think. Wait, Such a great view. And I'm thinking to myself... How much money did Kirk win right. at chess in order to afford this hotel in downtown Toronto overlooking a bridge, overlooking with yeah, a great I view think like that? Much lower digs than that. Maybe like a roadside EM, you know, motel kind of deal. Right. Yeah. In America, maybe a Motel 6. I mean, is the staying at the hotel strictly there so they can have a view of the bridge to see it explode? Is that really the only reason why? I don't know why it would be. I mean, we saw that when the, anywhere, guess, right? was, when the stadium was blown up in Picard, they watched it on a screen, and that was just as good. But they were also in the 25th century. Yeah, but they could just put on a TV in and the that room. Was so just as, TV. And that was just as good. <laughs> right? That's just as good. Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, but... Yeah, the Pelioth... And again, it goes back to me saying to you, I'm like, why can't... Why isn't Pelia just... A member of the same race as Guinan. I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I like that. But you're right. She was less helpful. Um, was it me when she went back to present day, meaning her present day? Did you get a sense that just from the look on Pelia's face that maybe she remembered that she met her, you know, a while back? I didn't think she, so. Because she was on the... I, I wondered if she retained that. Right. And if she does... That would again, um, I would get, I would again pose the question: Why is she not in Elorian? Because clearly, Elorian would exactly, right? Yeah. So, um, but I will see. Hopefully, uh, th this is the end of us seeing alternate James T. Kirk. We did, in fact, see. We have a whole crew together to do something next week. I know they've been very much split off. Yes, Wait. I'd like to see the crew together. Uh, well, but we did get our first look at actual Kirk in the end. She did contact him at the very end. Right. Which, yeah. great. just wanted to see if he was still alive, which obviously he was. <laughs> now I have a crush on him, I guess. But I'm beginning to wonder if, like, going forward, if Kirk does come back, is it going to be, are we now just going to be seeing real the real Kirk? And I just wish that they wouldn't bring him back again. I think. Right. I think enough's enough with whether it's real Kirk or alternate Kirk. I think enough's enough. Okay. Right. But I, I, I would be surprised if they, the creators and writers felt the same way. So why would you build them up? We're 13 okay. episodes in and he's been used three times already. I really thought that a quality of mercy was going to be it. It made perfect sense in that episode. Yeah, very well done. 
but from here on up from there on out it didn't i personally i didn't feel that it was that it's necessary to keep bringing him back we have to keep reminding ourselves that he can't meet pike they can't meet and to your point i'm gonna repeat what you said I don't want there to be a scene where Pike's in one room and Kirk's in another room and they just don't. Right. <laughs> or right don't... It, Pike walks in, Kirk walks out. Exactly. He's like, you just, all he sees is the back, is the back of him or something. Right. Or if you Ron know? is like, oh, um, Captain Pike, I want you to meet. And he turns and like, he's already gone or something. Right. I, I don't, don't need any of that. I don't want them to do any of that. And it's too cute. <laughs> it's too cute. And look, other franchises do that too. And I just, I'm, I'm sick of, I'm sick of this stuff. All right? Yeah. I don't need there to be all of these connections, okay? The fact that these sh- this show yeah. takes place in that universe is enough. I don't need you to remind me yes. at almost it, every it, turn. Also, we're, we're neglecting Spock's brother, which is the one that we really want to see. I know. That's still, the, that's still hanging over our heads from last season. I mean, you and I were so excited when we got that. Mm-hmm. So, agreed. I, I want, when are they going to come back to that? Right, and it better not be. I don't want to be waiting until next season for that. I mean, no. I really want them to do something with it this season. I'm wondering if it's going to be held off until the finale of the season. Is it going to be like cliffhanger? Yeah, like is Angel going to come back, and it's going to be some I would connection. Take a cliffhanger. With... I would take a cliffhanger about Spock's brother. I just don't want him to be forgotten. Is all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you said you had some continuity. I for do us. have some continuity stuff for us. So I have been foolishly neglecting this. Not meaning to, the last uh, two weeks. So I'm gonna bring. I'm gonna come back to it. So we did get some continuity connections in this episode. So you mentioned uh, Kirk's hometown is Riverside, Iowa. Um, you know, Kirk had been associated with Iowa since Star Trek IV: The Voyage Home. Um, there was that line when Kirk is coming through the door. The rotating door and she says never seen what did she say never been through a rotating door before and he says uh i'm from space it mm. sort of reminded me of that line from voyage home oh, right. no i'm from iowa i only work when she says don't tell me you're from outer space no i'm from iowa mm. i only work in outer space mm. um, that's not listed here but that was just something i thought of he really is uh yeah he really so, is from the Department of Temporal Investigations obviously made their appearance at the end of this episode and and at the beginning of the episode as well these people were seen in the episode of Voyager Relativity, but it goes a little deeper than that. So we see on the device that holographic user interface that comes up that shows whatever it shows. I'm, I think it shows like movement and everything of like where they are on the timeline. That is a that is the exact same graphic that's used aboard the USS Relativity that they're able to to look at to monitor who's moving about where in the timeline. And when it came when when they showed it, I was like, "What is that from?" I go, I, "That looks so familiar." What is that? Which one is that from? And then I looked online and it said "Relativity." I'm like, "I'm like that's it," because I just mm-hmm. I recognized it so instant instantaneously, but I just couldn't place where that's it was. That's a nice detail. Um, one detail. Now I go off a lot of you know memory alpha because memory alpha do, people contribute all the different continuity you stuff. Know your secrets. But there is one that they didn't list that. I'm going to list that I'm going to mention. So when they're driving in the car and Kirk is sort of like kind of making fun of her, at one point he calls her Noonien Soong, which is the name of Data's creator. Mm. You have Khan Noonien Singh and Noonien Soong. 
so I like so and for the longest time everyone's like well why why are they so close <laughs> right together right. like that and the real reason is because I think Rod, I think it, the story goes that Roddenberry had served with somebody in the military who was actually named Noonien Singh didn't know how to get in touch with them so he purposely put that name in the show hoping that they would reach out to him and so I think he and he, I think I guess he tried it again with the next generation by slightly altering the name but it didn't it didn't really uh work out you know facebook obviously was not a thing back then so you couldn't yeah. find somebody as, as easily uh, but yeah you never reconnected with but for the longest time i think fans have always talked about like, why, thing. why are those names so close together like that what the hell and i like that they kind of in a very somewhat cute jokey oh, yeah. way kirk mixed it up as noonie and soong instead of noonie and Sing. so i thought that was pretty funny um so we mentioned that Kirk, Kirk's driving skills. I mean, he, you know, he, sim it was similar to a piece of the action, how he, Spock is very equally critical of Kirk, um, Kirk's driving skills. And Kirk is also pulled over by the police in that episode as well. Mm -hmm. um, but what the episode also does is that it, it notes that multiple temporal incursions have shifted the chronological events of the eugenics wars from the mid nineties to where they first established in space seed as being in 1992. Now they're in the mid 21st century. There was an episode, I think, of Deep Space Nine. I think it was the one where we find out that Bashir's has some augments, augmentation, genetic augmentation. They also establish that the eugenics wars took place sometime in the mid-21st century. Hmm. The writers, I think Ronald D. Moore at that time said he knew it was wrong, but they still did it anyway. I don't recall what the decision behind that was, but... So there's this idea. This, New Space Nine takes place in this timeline. <laughs> so there's this idea that I guess that with all of these multiple time incursions, it's sort of shifting some events in the Star Trek timeline, even though they still occur, but they just sometimes occur at you know now different dates. Which I, honestly, I mean, I don't. This is what I'm talking about when I say overly complicated. I don't really think that's necessary i don't know why they feel the need to do that so i agree yeah personally speaking i think they should have just gone back to 1992 and kept it the way it was mm -hmm. so but there is a quote so the showrunner akiva goldsman was speaking to cinema blend and he was offering some context on the timeline change. And I don't necessarily agree with it. Like I said, I don't see why they need to do it. Why can't you just keep it the way it was? What does this change? Why? So this is how he justified it. He's saying, so speaking, um, offering some context on the timeline change, he says, this is a correction because otherwise it's silly or Star Trek ceases to be in our universe. By the way, this happened in season one. So this is not a season two issue, it's a plot issue. Pilot issue, I'm sorry. We want Star Trek to be at an aspirational future. We want to be able to dream our way into the Federation as a Starfleet. I think that's the fun of it, in part. And so in order to keep Star Trek in our timeline, we continue to push dates forward. At a certain point, we won't be able to. But obviously, if you start saying that the eugenics wars were in the 90s, you're kind of fucked for aspirational turn, aspirational in terms of the real world. But it's not it real. Only, <laughs> this was only in the alternate timeline. And I got to assume back in when she went back to the main timeline, it was still in the 90s, right? 
Why would it be I don't different? think so. I don't think it's been re- I don't believe so. But the, why would that matter? Make that clear. Yeah. He was in a different timeline. So then... Well, I think in this episode, even though it's an altered timeline, they don't specify the year. They say mid 21st century. And we're not, obviously, we're in the first quarter of the 21st century still. So yeah. I think from our point of view, that's still the future. But at the same time, what does it matter? Because it's not, this is fiction. <laughs> I just don't know why, why that timeline would affect the other timeline. She yeah. eliminated that. I don't know. Whatever. I'm not going to think about it too hard. Because I don't like that answer either. That's a very weak justification in my in my view, and I and I would be remiss if I even said I fully understood what he means. Well, okay, so here's something I can I can liken it to. Yeah. Um, there was a point. So you know the character Punisher, of course. I do. Punisher served in the Vietnam War. But at a point, people started to say, well, if he serves in the Vietnam War, that was so long ago, he'd be, like, very old now. So let's push it so that he serves in, like, Iraq or Afghanistan or something. Mm. Just to, like, make it fit more with the real-world relation to these events. So right. I can see it sort of akin to that. I thought that was sort of unnecessary, and I think this seems a bit unnecessary. I guess, also. but, I mean, does that imply that Strange New Worlds is not... Because the show, this show and even the first two seasons of Discovery... Go out of their way to tell you that they take place in that same time as the original series. So even though the original series may have been written in the '60s, its version of the its version of the future should still remain the same, even if you're producing it in 2023. Like I don't understand why past events should matter. Yeah, does that mean that yeah now the original series is in a different timeline than Strange New Worlds? Well, I mean. So what happens because if they like, reference these things is happening? So like in nineties. But what happens when we get to the year twenty one fifty one in the real world where Enterprise takes place? If Star Trek's still being produced at that point, are they gonna shift shift it all forward? So there's always like that four hundred year gap between the real world and Trek. Like I don't. Uh, we won't have a stable enough society to make things like entertainment. Well, let's no just argument. say we will. Let's for the sake of argument, let's just say we will. I mean, is that how is that the justification there? Like you always want? I just I don't. No, no, Kiva Goldsman will be dead by then. I don't agree. I just that just seems a little ridiculous to me that that's if again if I am interpreting that quote correctly. I get his point. I don't agree with it, but I get it. I just I don't know. I mean, yeah, they wanted to you to look at it and say like this could actually be us. But then when you start adding in these elements, like yeah, but first we have to go through a eugenics war and then a World War Three. Then it's like, oh, do, do we really want to be that? All right, well, next week is going to be the fourth episode of the new season. It's called Among the Lotus Eaters. Ooh. Is that a reference to an original series? Lonely Among Us, which is the next generation? I have no idea. Okay. No. But the, the Lotus Eaters, it's uh, from Greek mythology. Uh, the uh, Odyssey, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I think they eat the lotus and they go to sleep for a long time. Yep. I don't know why that reminds me of an original series. It's very original series sounding. It is. In five. So that's exciting. Well, I'll give you something else that's exciting. One of the co-writers of the episode, Kirsten Uh Bach. Oh, excellent. Oh, that's great. Yep. That is fantastic. Kirsten Bach and Davey Perez will be the writers for next week. 
So. Uh, okay, yeah, so it is from the Odyssey. Odysseus, they go to this place and they eat the lotus. And they're a narcotic and it makes them sleep in peaceful apathy. And he has to get his crew to come out of this and come back to the ship mm-hmm. because they're just, it's like a blissful sleep that they go into when they eat it. Okay. So interesting. That could certainly be something of the... Um, I did see a clip of it at the end of the ready room. And um, it looks like it's going to be... Um, it kind of looks like a... Uh, like a, a a covert mission the crew is going to be taking just based on the scene that I saw. So, nice. um, but one of the co-writers, Davey Perez, he also wrote last season. He wrote Memento Mori and All Those Who Wander, and then this season he wrote, uh, yeah, this one. And then he's going to write, and he also has uh, the eighth episode called Under the Cloak of War, which must be, I assume, is a reference to uh, the war they suggested is brewing with the uh, the Gorn. So, hmm. So we'll see. I've I've not actually gone ahead and looked at the name of the all these episode titles for the season. They always they typically we typically know what they are before as the season is airing, but I haven't gone ahead and looked at them yet. So, I think this weekly checking is pretty good. Yeah. Well, I hope it's. I hope next week is a good episode, and I hope that next week is features more of the crew. I think it's. I think it's very cool to see, you know, each crew member do mostly a solo. We've not seen that in a lot of modern Trek, but I'm also feeling like I want an ensemble show. I want to see everybody doing something. Agreed. Where's our captain? Where's Pike? <laughs> He's been yep. noticeably absent. Through most of the season so far. Great. Well, I think that's it. Anything else you want to mention? Nope. Okay. Well, we'll see everybody next week to discuss Among the Lotus Eaters. That's fun to say. Later. That's really fun to say. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye.